I'm William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Against that? No! We will run! And we will live! Aye. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds. Many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Of course, that's from the 1995 film, long time ago, isn't it? Braveheart. You can excuse the little bit of Scottish stuff in there because it actually was filmed in a large part in Ireland. So it's really an Irish film, not a Scottish film. Uh, and it's based loosely, very loosely, on the life of William Wallace, the 13th century Scottish hero or outlaw, depending on your point of view. And it portrayed the violent and gruesome actions of this man as he fought for freedom against oppression and tyranny. And when the film came out, it struck a chord with a lot of people. Despite its glaring historical inaccuracies and that dodgy accent of Mel Gibson, trying to get a Scottish accent, uh, it won many awards. actually won five Oscars. And maybe it was because this desire for freedom is something that we can all, that we can all relate to. Whatever our background or whatever our politics, we can all identify with someone in their fight for freedom. Freedom is something that we all hold very dearly to us. There's freedom of information, freedom of choice, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion. And the list just goes on and on. It's something that we all want to experience. And yet when we come to the Bible, the Bible is clear that this real freedom can't be won with a sword or a gun. It's not something that we can fight for or something that we can achieve through our own efforts. Instead, true freedom is something that only we can find in Jesus So we're going to read these uh, amazing verses from John chapter 8. And we're going to read from verse 31 uh, down to verse 38 uh, just now. So it's John chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. 
Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because I have no room, you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in my father's presence and you do what you have heard from your father. The people that Jesus was speaking to that day didn't feel as if they were in need of freedom. When Jesus told them that they could experience real freedom, they responded by saying this, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Now in many ways, that was a real startling claim. Throughout the history, the Jews, the the physical descendants of Abraham, had often been dragged into slavery. For example, I'm sure you remember how they were enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt. Then later by King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And at the time of Jesus, they were basically under slavery to Rome. They were being controlled and oppressed by them. But this wasn't really the kind of slavery that Jesus was talking about here. This wasn't the kind of slavery that Jesus was offering to set them free from. He was focusing on a much more serious slavery. A slavery, in fact, that we all need to be set free from. This is a slavery to sin. Because Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. When someone goes against God's standards, his moral standards, they might think that they are expressing their freedom. Just to do what they want. Just to to follow their own desires, to live their own life. But Jesus said instead, when they make those choices, when they do those things, they're actually showing that they are bound in slavery to sin. They are demonstrating that they are under the authority and the power of the sinful nature. And if we're going to be honest today, that would need to include all of us. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. All of us have sinned and continue to fall short of God's glorious standard of moral purity and holiness. We might look good compared to other people, or not, but certainly not compared to God. And so if everyone who sins is a slave to sin, then we must agree that we are slaves to sin. We all need to be set free. In fact, John in his first letter said this. He said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you're sitting there this morning thinking, well, I'm not a sinner. I've not done anything wrong. Then I'm afraid John calls you a liar. He says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standards. There is none of us that are free from the presence of sin in our lives. 
And so if we're not set free, then sin will always express its power in our lives. We will continue to be controlled and oppressed by our own sinful and selfish desires. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy. He said this, that at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Those desires that are within us, they control us, they have power over us, they oppress us. And even when we try and set ourselves free from it, then we can't. This is what Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 7. He said, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Can anybody relate to that? Keep on wanting to do something good, but you always end up doing the wrong thing. We keep on making those same poor choices. We keep on reacting in that same wrong way. We can't break that bad habit in our lives. We can't stop that self-destructive behaviour. Rationally, we know all those things are not good for us. And many of us want to live a good life. But we just can't stop ourselves. We can't just decide to change our attitudes and actions. We can't just walk away from our temptations. We're caught in that seemingly endless cycle of failure in our lives. And that's because we're slaves to sin. In our very nature, we are rebels Against God's character, against God's standards. And it just infects and corrupts everything that we do. And that failure has incredibly serious consequences in our lives. Each day when we listen to or read the news. Do anybody listen to the news anymore? Yeah, on the radio? Anybody watch the news on TV? Yeah, yeah. Anybody just read it on on a news app because it's much quicker and much faster and you can read what you like? Yeah? Okay, that's me. Uh, Well, when you read the news or listen to the news, you just see the horrible impact of sin in in our lives. Mass shootings in the States. Terrorism in Egypt. Gangland murders in Dublin. Human trafficking in the Mediterranean. Five years of war in the Yemen. Eight years of war in Syria. And just the list goes on and on and on. If you want evidence of the the reality of sin having serious consequences, every day it's there. Right in our face. But this is just one aspect of the consequence of sin in our lives. Paul says in Romans chapter 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death. The penalty of sin is death. But when he said that, I don't think he was just talking about death, physical death. It's death in all of its aspects. Spiritual death. And finally, eternal death. Separation from God forever. And I think this is what Jesus was hinting at in this passage when he said in John chapter 8 verse 35, a slave has no permanent place in the family. 
The Jews, they thought of themselves as members of God's covenant community. Members of God's family. But their slavery to sin meant that that place was not secure. They were going to get a shock someday. And that's the ultimate penalty of sin. Sin has not just brought suffering and misery into our lives, but it's broken our relationship with God, both now and if nothing changes, then forever. Isaiah 59 says, Your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. And so just like those that Jesus was speaking to that day, we would be all in slavery to sin and need to be set free from its presence and its power and its penalty. But how? How can we be set free from sin? Well, this week in the news, it's a really strange story from Brazil. Maybe some of you noticed it. A convicted drug dealer. He was trying to escape from prison in Rio de Janeiro where he'd been serving a 70-year sentence. And his escape attempt was based on trying to impersonate his 19-year-old daughter. When she visited him, he switched places with her by wearing a wig putting on a silicon mask and a t-shirt that had been smuggled in earlier to the prison. And he tried to leave her in the prison, which probably wasn't very nice of him to do, and try and walk out of the prison as in her place. Not surprisingly, if you look at the pictures, you can see that it wasn't very convincing and the prison guards weren't fooled by his impersonation and he was quickly returned to his cell. In a way, that's what... Jesus' opponents were trying to do. They were trying to impersonate a member of their family in order to set themselves free. Abraham, he was someone who had been set free from sin through his faith in God. Genesis chapter 15, way back in the first book of the Bible, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abram accepted God's word, trusted in God's promise, and in response, God completely forgave all of his sins, his past, present, and future, and declared him righteous in God's sight. And the Jews thought that because they were the physical descendants of Abraham, because Abraham was their their forefather, that they were dressed in the same righteousness. That they looked just like their father Abraham. But Jesus refuted that claim. Look at verse 37. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. They were claiming that they were set free from sin by dressing themselves up as the spiritual descendants of Abraham. They thought that by putting on that act, putting on those those clothes of Abraham, then they would be able to walk out of the prison completely free. 
But their own actions proved that that wasn't true. Because they'd rejected Jesus. The Messiah that had been sent in answer to the promise given to Abraham. And they were ready to kill Jesus. Because unlike Abraham, they refused to accept God's word. So their family connection to Abraham could not set them free from their slavery to sin. And it's the same for us. Some people think that they are okay with God just because of who their parents are or their grandparents are or who they're married to. But we cannot experience true freedom just through our family connections. They cannot set us free. And those of us who are parents will, will know that that huge responsibility of trying to encourage our, our, our own kids to recognise that. That because we have faith in Christ, then that doesn't mean that they're okay. Or some people say that God has no grandchildren. You can't get to God, you can't be right with God through the family connection. That doesn't set us free. But neither can we be set free through religious achievements. These people that Jesus was speaking to here, it's easy for us kind of to, to demonize them and to, 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 to picture them as really terrible people whose, whose lives are just ravaged by a sinful, their sinful nature. But that wasn't the case. The people here who was confronting Jesus, they weren't what we would describe as bad people. They were deeply religious people who were committed to trying to please God in their lives. After all, they were in the temple that day because they were attending the Feast of Tabernacles in obedience to God's commands. And later in this chapter, we'll see this in in, in a couple of weeks' time, that they claimed that the only Father we have is God himself. So these people were good living, religious people, sincere people. But all this good living and all this religion could not set them free from their slavery to sin. This is something that Paul describes so clearly in his teaching. Because it's something that he experienced himself. He was a, a passionate Pharisee. Committed to keeping all of the laws of Moses in the Old Testament and following all of the religious requirements of his religion. But then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he discovered he was a slave to sin who needed somebody to set him free. And so later he wrote, No one, no one will be declared righteous in his sight, in God's sight, by observing the law. Nobody will be declared right with God through keeping the rules that are in the Bible. Religion, even one based on truth, even one based on the law that's in the Bible, cannot set us free. All it can do, the most it can do, is to reveal to us just how enslaved by sin we are. By setting a standard that we all fall short of.
So that's the problem. We're all set, we're all in slavery to sin. And we cannot set ourselves free. But Jesus here didn't only diagnose the problem. He also offered a solution. We cannot free ourselves from slavery to sin. But he can. He said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus could set us free from all of the different aspects of our slavery to sin. So he can set us free from the penalty of sin. Romans 8, verse 1 and 2. Some of the the, the most wonderful verses in the Bible. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. On the cross, Jesus took that penalty of our sin on himself. He died in our place. He suffered the wrath that we deserved. And so our sin debt has been paid for in full. And so we can be fully forgiven. Completely declared righteous in God's sight. And be forever. Know that we will never be condemned. We'll never be condemned under the weight of our sin. Ever again. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Jesus can also set us free from the power of sin. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. When Jesus paid for our sins, he opened up the way for our lives to be transformed. For us to be made new through the indwelling power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So we no longer need to live according to that sinful nature. But instead we can be set free to love and to worship God. And to love and to serve others. Of course that transformation doesn't happen instantly. Our sinful nature is still present and active in all of us. But God's presence is that we are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Jesus is able to increasingly set us free from the power of sin. And when Jesus starts that process, he promises to complete it. He can ultimately set us free, even from the presence of sin. 1 John 3 and 2 says this about Jesus. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When Jesus comes and takes his people to himself, he will finish the work that he has begun in each of us and their transformation will be complete. All trace of slavery to sin will be removed and they will be holy, even as he is holy. Jesus can set us free. 
from the penalty of sin and the power of sin and ultimately even from the presence of sin. But here's the the crucial question for each one of us to face this morning. Who are those who will experience the complete freedom from sin that Jesus alone can give? Who are the people who will experience this freedom? Who are those who have been set free? Well, Jesus gives us the answer at the start of of our passage this morning. Verse 31. Jesus was speaking to those, to the Jews, who had believed him. And that's the key to experiencing this freedom. It's faith in Jesus. That's all that's required to experience his freedom. It's not something that we need to work for or achieve or eventually fight for and try to, try to win for ourselves. It is something that we just receive through simple faith in Jesus. And of course this is what we've been realising as we've been reading through the book of John. This is why John wrote his gospel. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. But we need to be careful here. Because there are some who claim to have believed in Jesus, but have not. There are some who say they put their faith in Jesus, but they are deceiving themselves. And as a result, in, like in some of the people in the crowd that day, they think they've been set free from sin, where they're actually still in slavery to sin. So how can we know if we've been set free from sin? Well, Jesus gives us a test here. Verse 31. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now, this doesn't mean that we all need to obey Jesus' teaching perfectly. Because none of us do that. Never, None of us will ever do that here on earth. But it means that we accept Jesus' teaching as true. We value it, we treasure it, we love it, we learn from it, we seek to live it out. And we continue to do this. We abide, we remain, we stay in the truth of Jesus. Crucially, this is not how we become a disciple of Jesus. We become a disciple of Jesus the very moment that we put our trust in Jesus. But rather, this is the evidence, the proof to convince yourself, to give us assurance that we have put our faith in Jesus. Saving faith in Jesus is not just an intellectual agreement as to who Jesus is. Many people believe the truth about Jesus only to turn from him when it when they hear something they don't like or it gets too difficult or it becomes too costly. Instead, saving faith in Jesus is a wholehearted commitment to Jesus as Saviour and Lord. 
It is about putting our faith, our hope, our lives in his hands and depending completely on him for our salvation. And it's demonstrated by abiding in him. And it's to those who have made that commitment to Jesus, who have been brought into a saving knowledge of him as the way and the truth and the life, it's those people that can be sure that they've been rescued from slavery to sin. And they've been brought into the freedom that he alone can give. It is to his disciples that Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So William Wallace got it wrong. Real freedom is not something we need to fight for. It's not something that we can strive for. It's not something that we can achieve through our efforts. Rather, it's a gift that Jesus offers to each one of us based on his finished work on the cross and just received by all who put their faith in him. So if you're here this morning and you haven't done so yet, I pray that you would put your faith in Jesus and you will know this truth that will set you free. But if you're here this morning and you have put your faith in Christ, then our prayer is that you will know the joy of living every day in that freedom. That you will know that if the Son sets you free, you will be free.